welcome to the Building Bridges podcast, a platform for bettering LDS interfaith relationships. I'm your host, Taylor Niebergall. When it comes to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, having a faith crisis can sometimes create a rift in relationships between those who leave and those who stay. The goal of this podcast is to equip listeners on either side of that rift with the tools that they need to start building bridges, crossing chasms, and ultimately, healing relationships through mutual respect and understanding. Each episode will feature bold perspectives as we explore topics that can create these rifts, validate the struggles that they pose, and discuss tools you can use to literally bridge the gap. Let's get to building! Hey, welcome everybody to our podcast today. We have a special episode called Act and React, and we've got my friend here, Daniel Mickelson. Yes, hello everyone. <laughs> so Daniel and I met back in an institute choir, oh my gosh, what was that, like eight years ago maybe? Ugh, I started in 2010, and then I left on my mission and came back. Were you in it in 2013? when I got back or were you I in didn't get back from my mission until 2014 so it probably was okay. around 2014 2015 when For we sure. met which was about six to seven years ago so yeah it's been a while <laughs> been a minute yeah so Daniel tell us how you heard about the podcast well I heard about the podcast from none other than Taylor herself <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 Plug yeah phone. very and- very direct connection there very direct. And why were you interested in being on this episode, besides the fact that I maybe pulled your leg and asked you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You didn't pull my leg at all. Um, it was, honestly, I think it's just an important topic, the podcast in general. There, There is a lot of, it's not an easy set of relationships to manage between members of the, of the church and non-members, and especially former members of the church. Um, there can sometimes be a lot of conflict and unknowns. And I feel like a lot of it just does come from that trepidation that we all feel approaching those interactions. Um, it's not something a lot of us are comfortable addressing. And so I think I think it's just good to open up those lines of communication. So I was very interested in, in helping to be part of that. Yeah, thanks for putting that into words so nicely about all those things that we try and strive to do here at the Bridge Building Podcast, I think you put that into words really well. Can you give us a little summary of your faith transition so the audience knows where you're at right now? For sure. (laughs) So just a little backstory. I was born in the covenant, super active in church my entire life, Uh, joined Latter-day Voices and doing that as Taylor can attest was very, very, being very active. (laughs) (laughs) Not only did you go to your state conference, but you went to everybody else's state oh, conference, too. Yeah, that's like how I met my husband. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and so for the, so I mean, the vast majority of my life up to this point, I was extremely active, went to Mexico on my mission, was an AP there, um, assistant to the president for those who are not aware of the lingo we use over here. And it was November of last year when I started my faith transition. It went very quickly. <laughs> by by February of 2021, uh, February, March, I went from being a full believing member to being an atheist, which was quite the whirlwind of a change for me. Um, I know for some people it's it's very difficult and a lot of people struggle and have just the hardest time with leaving the church. And I definitely want to honor that. But I was one of the people who thankfully it was for me, it was it was more of an exciting, fun, self-discovery kind of journey. It just happened to go extremely quickly. I didn't have any major issues with the church. That isn't what sparked my transition. It was just more at the point of my life I was in. I was discovering a lot of new things about myself and about my own belief systems that I never really questioned before. And in that process of self-reflection and self-discovery, I came to the point where I am now being, I wouldn't say holding atheistic beliefs because it's not really a set of beliefs, but just considering myself an atheist. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Thank you so much for sharing that summary with us. So we're going to just dive right into a little bit of what it means to build bridges in terms of how we act and how we react with one another. And I'm really grateful to have your perspective on today. So I'm going to talk first about act. How we act sends a message to other people 
if we are approachable or not. And I recently listened to this really good podcast. Oh, I wish I had it pulled up. Um, I think it was called Reflecting Light, and I'll put it in the show notes, where she had a special episode that was all about being able to hold space for people who disagree with you and how uh, we can show how to hold space. So my question, just off the top of your head, Daniel, and the listeners can consider this, how can we act to show that we hold space as bridge builders with one another? Ooh, <laughs> that's a good question. Oh, man. Uh, so for me, it really just depends on the situation. Like if you're, are you, are you talking like day to day here or in specific interactions with people? I'm thinking more of the day to day, but if you have something specific, I will not shoot okay. you down to share that either. Okay. Um, yeah. So just generally like living your life. And just really like, once again, we run into the issue of perception versus reality, right? But I think if you live your life with just an open heart and knowing that everybody has issues, everybody has stuff they're struggling with. No one's struggle is more or less important than yours. People are people. For the most part, people are good people. Mm -hmm. And as long as you listen and attempt to hear what others are saying, really, instead of because sometimes people's words aren't always what they mean to say. And I think you kind of touched on that in your last episode with Kylie about intent versus impact. As long as you understand that sometimes people make mistakes and that's okay. We do too. And we just kind of got to accept each other and move forward in a hopefully mutually helpful manner. Precisely. <laughs> Thank you for that. I think that a lot of the podcast episodes kind of bleed together in that sense that you can refer back to. Well, we're talking about impact and intent and right. all that stuff here. I also loved how you touched on the importance of listening and showing that you're open. That was kind of the key word that I loved because I think people with an open heart and an open mind, they have a soft place, a place where things can grow. A soft heart can have new ideas planted into it. A soft mind can be open to new ideas. If you're hardened in your heart or in your mind, then everything new bounces off and you don't take it in. And I think that is similar to not listening, not holding a space for people who are different from you is when you're hardened in any way. So I really like that you talked about being open and I would even say being soft, having a soft heart and a soft mind is a great way to show or to act towards others. When you're trying to build bridges, ask yourself, am I open to this? Is my heart soft towards this person or am I putting up a wall? Right. And, and honestly, like if you're at a point where you can acknowledge that you are open to talking to people, especially if we're talking about that, now going to more specifics like that former member or ex-Mormon or whatever term you prefer interaction with a active member of the, of the church, sometimes you do have to be a little more explicit, I think. Just because there is so much in, at least from my perspective, in the culture of like, oh, we just, we don't talk about that. Like they left the church. We don't really talk about it. And I feel like at least me, like I internalized that growing up. And so, and I feel like a lot of other people have as well. And so if you're open to talking to people, to talk to having relationships that are deep and meaningful with former, like as a member with former members or as a former member with members, like you kind of have to be more explicit and be like, hey, like I'm an okay person to talk to like we can talk, we can be friends. Like, I don't, I don't judge you for your beliefs or for your lack of belief. And I think signaling that, that explicivity, that's even a word, <laughs> um, is, is also can be important in breaking down those barriers that you talked about, because those unspoken barriers can sometimes lead us to, to be shy about those things. That's very true. Or they can lead us to have assumptions, maybe that this yeah. is a taboo subject or this person doesn't mm -hmm. want this conversation. So yeah, I think that's another good key. Make sure you're opening a door to others so that they know that that conversation is on the table, at least for you. Have you heard of the think before you speak acronyms for T? Is you think, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? So these are other examples or helpful keys or insights to what we can ask ourselves before we act. We can ask ourselves these questions. Is what I'm about to say true? Have I really done my research or am I just shooting the breeze? You know, is what I'm about to say helpful <laughs> or 
is it going to harm somebody? That kind of also leans back towards the last episode with Kylie about leaning into the impact you might have before you speak. Is what I'm going to say inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? All other helpful little pieces of advice for acting. And I feel like, Daniel, you you chuckled a little bit about shooting the breeze when people speak. Have you had any experiences with that you want to share? Oh, no, it's just... I mean, it's a it's a natural human thing. We all do it. Um, I constantly with my wife, I will just say something with a lot of confidence that I just deduce. I don't actually know the answer to something, but I'm really good at really good at like taking the evidence and drawing a conclusion, even though that conclusion can be very wrong. And she always gets after me for it because she'll just take that and run with it because I said it with such confidence. So I have to make sure I'm like I'm explicit when I for sure know something or when I'm just using my best guess because sometimes from my tone you can't quite tell. (laughs) That's funny. I think we're probably all guilty of that and it probably takes a practice hand at attempting to consider what we're saying before we speak. I I was just thinking like the other flip side of that is like we're we're all working on this right like communication is one of the hardest things we do as humans. It is very fraught. And so I think understanding that we we all make faux pas when we're conversing with each other. I do it on a constant, consistent basis. I try to think about how my words are going to be perceived, but I don't quite think of all the implications and somebody takes it and turns it back on me. And I realize, yeah, no, that was a really dumb thing to say. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have said that. And so realizing that it's something we all do and trying to have a little bit of grace with, with each other and with ourselves because we're all learning, we're all growing. And I think you talked a little bit earlier about like being humble in those situations. Like, yeah, if somebody points out that, yeah, you shouldn't have said it like that. Take it as it is and apply the think acronym that you just use next time. And you'll probably mess up next time too, but it's all about, (laughs) about trying to get back. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. We talk a lot about extending grace towards the other person on the side of the bridge, but I haven't even heard anybody once say, the importance of extending grace towards ourselves, which is really important. And, you know, they probably have said it. I'm just saying I might not have been a great listener, <laughs> but no, for sure. it is so, <laughs> so valuable to point that one out too, because like you said, we probably will still make that mistake again, but what matters is that we are putting an effort into improving and to not condemn ourselves when we fall short. So thanks for saying that part. Yeah. I kind of was thinking that those think before you speak acronyms, they're mostly gearing towards verbal conversations, but there's more to how we act than just our verbal interactions. And we need to make sure that our nonverbal interactions can indicate a safe place for bridge building as well. So I don't know if you have any thoughts off the top of your mind, but what are some nonverbal actions that you think can indicate a softness and openness or an approachable space? Right. That's a really good question because Nonverbal or non-face-to-face communication or non-direct communication has grown exponentially in our lifetimes. Nonverbal communication used to just mean a shrug of the shoulders or rolling your eyeballs, right? But now, with our pre- with all of our presences on social media and on the internet, our nonverbal communication can be things like pages we've liked on Facebook or memes we share that have nothing to do with with a particular person or any wide, vast number of things that we happen to do that communicate, that paint a picture of, of who we are and what type of person we are intentionally or unintentionally. And so that is something to think about. Like if you're open to having these conversations and comments and things like that, like take a look at your Facebook profile or your Instagram or, or whatever particular social media you use and and see what it says about you try to take a step back from a third party position and see like oh what does me having all these pages like say to people of xyz demographic and possibly make some changes if you can see that it could be off-putting to some people if you are in a situation where you want to build those bridges and build those connections i'm not necessarily like sometimes you might find nothing but something to think about I'm so glad you said that. And I'm so glad that you steered that towards social media. I agree with Daniel. I would just invite the listeners to look at their other media pages from an outside perspective and ask yourself very honestly, 
is your conduct showing anybody in another quote unquote camp that they are not welcome? And why would it show them that by what you're saying? I also think it's amazing <laughs> that you can always choose to ignore or not respond to something and then nobody has any negative thoughts to trace back to you or any misrepresented intent. So I think when in doubt, if you feel like you don't know how to act in the best way just yet, you can always just choose to be silent and say nothing until you can find out how to act in a way that you'll be proud of. There's no deadline or rushed order to show how you feel about this right now. If you could improve that action, if you could make it a little bit more smooth and a little bit more welcoming to other people, go ahead and wait before responding and kind of analyze what that conduct shows people in another camp. So I want to build on that a little bit, Taylor. Um, Because this is something that I battle with. (laughs) For the majority of my life, I have been a incessant people pleaser. I I was the peacemaker in my family. I never wanted to ruffle feathers, right? Um, Which is fine. But I have decided that I don't want to necessarily always be that person. I'm trying to navigate this new world where I'm trying to speak up more often especially around things where I think other people might not feel comfortable speaking up, like they may have been hurt by something or, or shamed by something or what have you, um, and want to make their voices heard, but are in a situation where they don't feel able to. Um, and there's a wide variety of reasons why that might be the case. And it's in those situations where I found myself feeling the need to act, to make a comment, to say something, to post something, what have you. And I found that if I wait too long, one, like conversation of the world has moved well past it, right? And two, that I more often than not just never say anything when it may have been important for someone to see me say something. And so I have been trying to find that balancing act of like, I may not know exactly how to say this, but something needs to be said. And so I'm going to put my best foot forward. I may stumble and fall. But I'm going to, with my best intent and my best ability, just say something because something needs to be said. And I have ruffled some feathers along the way with my Facebook comments. <laughs> and, and I've had to navigate that. But I found that the more I do it, the more I actually act, the better I become at acting in a way that is, I feel like, more helpful, if that makes any sense. Practicing yeah. acting makes acting easier. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I I love that. And you're right. There is not a one size fits all answer. There is always a balance between choosing when do I act and when do I hold back. And I love that you mentioned that sometimes there's a place to act and it can sometimes ruffle some feathers like it has for you. And I think that we've all been in that situation. And this actually leads us really, really well into my next uh, question for you, Daniel, which is, is it possible for us to act in a way that we never have anyone dislike us? No. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> probably not. Right. Makes me laugh because no, and we probably shouldn't even try to because it's not going to work out well for anybody. <laughs> so my aunt Kelly Davis, she's an inspirational speaker, and she has this awesome quote that she says, what other people think of me is none of my business. And I think, Kelly, that's great, but it's so much easier said than done. And I will still still stew over like, man, if I have this moment where I'm like, I feel like I need to act and I acted and somebody doesn't take it well, or they don't think highly of me, I hold on to that. And I'm like, oh, they misunderstood my intent. Or I just would love to get to the place where I could internalize that quote. You know, what other people think of me is none of my business. I'm doing the best that I can. It really can help you shed that weight that really doesn't belong on your shoulders. If you can just kind of mm, push back on that. Another really awesome point. I haven't read this book yet, but my mom has been reading it. And it's called The Courage to be Disliked, which I think sounds like a really good book. (laughs) Both my mom and I kind of have this mental desire to be liked. And we like being validated by others. And Daniel, I don't know if you watch The Office. But I'm a big Office fan. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So do you remember the part where Pam says, I I don't like the thought that someone out there doesn't like me. 
even like the Taliban. <laughs> yes. I'm sure if the Taliban really got to know me, they would think I'm a good person. <laughs> so right. I feel like I'm a lot like Pam. And I'm like, oh, I just don't think anybody could really dislike me if they really knew me. But what other people think of you doesn't take away from your character. And if you put all of your value into how others shape you, you're giving them the power. Let you decide how you feel about yourself. So the courage to be disliked and not caring if others do dislike you is kind of healthy. So if you do have to act in a way where people might be upset with what you say, just know that you are keeping the power to value yourself and not giving that power to someone else. 100%. And so your, your example uh, reminded me of something that's been really inspiring for me. For those musical fans out there, um, Hamilton is one that's of my me. absolute I'm a musical fan out favorites. There. Yes. I mean, LDV, LDV love over here. Um, oh, yeah. But I absolutely love the musical Hamilton. And in there, there is the character Aaron Burr, who is the one of the two title characters. And he he is the type of person who is extremely excessively political. He wants to be liked by everyone. And what that leads to is him not taking definitive stances on anything. Right. Yes. He's he's wishy-washy. He he changes with the times, and people don't like that. And it's very apparent from the from the musical that people don't like that. And I really took that to heart because I, like you, am a big people pleaser. I like people to like me, but I've had to learn to take stances, not belligerently, not in a way that I'm like I'm never gonna change ever, and it's my way or the highway because that's not helpful. But make your opinion known. Stand up stand out but at the same time be open to realize that you might be wrong about some stuff and that's okay too and when people call you out take that in think about it if you decide you're still right cool but at least give it thought give it give it a mull mull it over a little bit (laughs) and move forward with your life but if you never take a stance then people don't really know who or what you are and I think it is very important for us to live as ourselves kind of like learning a language. If you never speak a foreign language, if you don't practice, you can study books all you want, but until you start speaking it and make the mistakes, you're never going to advance in learning that language. And it's the same way with this. You have to actually make the mistakes, take some stands, and that's when you'll actually start to learn and grow. Man, isn't life so annoying like that? We have to make those mistakes <laughs> in order to grow. What? So dumb. But... That is a really good example. (laughs) I like that you bring that up. I'm just curious off the top of my head, because I also love Hamilton. What do you think that Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton could have done to be bridge builders instead of (laughs) end up killing each other? Oh, spoiler alert. I think that's past the statute of limitations on spoiler alerts. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully everybody knows that that's what happened. But if either one of them was going to take this step to be a better bridge builder, what would that step have been in their actions? I think partially we do have to give them both some grace because they were products of their environment. Honor was a big thing. And once that both offended each other's honor, it was go time, right? That was just what was expected back then. But in, in a sense, once again, it's, it's about communication. They got to a point where they could no longer respectfully with each other. Mm-hmm. And once that breaks down, at that point, you just have to step away. If you get to the point, and we'll, I will talk about this a little when we get to the React section, but setting boundaries and maintaining those boundaries, especially when you're at a point where a relationship is toxic, is important because those boundaries allow a cooling off time, allows both of you to take your space, take a breath, not be constantly interacting with each other and inflaming those bad feelings. And so if they would have taken a step back, actually not talk to each other for a while and set some solid boundaries that could have healed the relationship. And I think that is another thing that's very tough, especially for me, is setting and sticking to boundaries with people who I just don't get along with. Sometimes it's okay to not interact, to help the building process, as it were, (laughs) because you're going off in the wrong direction. I think that's valid. Setting the boundaries and honoring them might just prevent you from going into this duel that if you just had your heads on, you wouldn't have done. So that's a good insight. 
And I think it, we can just might as well lead right on in to the React section from that. There's this Buddhist principle. The Buddhist principle includes thoughtfully responding rather than unthoughtfully reacting to things that trigger strong emotions within us. It's so good, I'm going to say it twice. Thoughtfully responding rather than unthoughtfully reacting to things that trigger strong emotions within us. So what do you think are keys to reacting in that way as a bridge builder when someone might say something that throws you off guard? It goes back to that that think acronym. Like I think thinking through it and taking a deep breath is important, first of all. When we, when we feel anger, nine times out of 10, that is going to be a secondary emotion, meaning there's a different emotion under there that's causing our anger. If somebody says something, like if someone like, let's say you read a Facebook post and you're like, oh my gosh, that makes me so mad. Most of the time, that's going to be something that makes you either sad, makes you feel insecure or something like that. And really, it's important to look at yourself when you're angry and realize, okay, why am I, what is the real primary emotion that's driving my anger? And once you know that, once you take the time to drill down to that, you're going to be able to respond much better because you're going to be responding to what's actually happening inside of you rather than that initial secondary emotion that's that's hiding that vulnerable spot in you. Because that's what we use anger for. We use it as a shield mm. to not have to deal with that deeper emotion inside of us. That is really beautifully said. I love it. Amen to Daniel right there. That is also <laughs> true. So I think it's really taking that Buddhist principle and saying to ourselves, how can I look deep within and find out what my primary response is instead of this secondary shield of anger? How can I just channel past that anger for a second and dig and find out, okay, why am I feeling this way? And how can I react in a way that approaches that feeling instead of throwing anger out everywhere? And it can be really hard. And unfortunately, I think it's another one of those things that takes practice to improve on. Darn life. Darn life. I guess we're just going to have to get a little bit better each time. (laughs) For sure. I think also a key to that is to have the humility to displace your pride. You said that anger is kind of the, the natural secondary emotion. And I think that coupled with pride, it is so difficult to shut it down because pride just is very hard, very, very shell, very wall. If you have a prideful or an angry heart or mind, you can't even access your own, let alone somebody come in after you to access it. And you can't dig in and find that underlying emotional response. So I think the first thing to remember is to displace your pride with humility, and then you'll be able to displace that anger with the real root of what you're feeling. So tap into your humility, and I think that will help you find out what you're really feeling. And I also think it's important to maybe take some deep breath to pause for a moment, because if we respond purely from our instincts and our gut, then we don't have the opportunity to give ourselves the time that we need to process that. So you need to just step back for just a second, breathe deep breaths in and out slowly, Think about being humble. Think about that thing. And so try not to respond right away. If you have a tendency to react in an unthoughtful way, then you need to take a longer time before you react is what I would say. So I I really like that. And I think one of the things that is that I am trying to navigate is say as a people pleaser, like I don't have to just let my opinion go, right? Mm-hmm. I can have a different opinion from somebody and that can make me feel a certain way, right? Right. I should try to figure out why why I'm feeling that way or why I'm having a strong reaction to this, but I don't have to give up my opinion either. That's not what humility is. It is okay to stick to your guns as it were. If you're really wanting to actually interact with somebody about something, you can't just go in guns blazing. You can't just start throwing punches, right? You have to approach it differently because if you start doing that that shuts down the conversation immediately they get defensive you get defensive and then from there it's over nothing's going to happen differently and so humility is stepping back and thinking okay how can i disagree with this person but spark more than just a defensive response how can i actually have a conversation with them about this if that makes sense it does 
And it reminds me, Daniel and I were talking earlier about just this topic. And I had said, anytime in a conflict, if you're able to say, you, you know what, you're right. That kind of has the opposite of, you know, I've got the guns blazing and Mm -hmm. it will automatically make the conversation move into defense mode and nothing really gets done. At the same time, if you come in and say, you know what, I think you're right. That could automatically, but in the other direction, shut the conversation down where they're like, oh, but you still didn't get to share your opinion and really take it anywhere. So I think there is, again, a balance in that humility. (laughs) You come in, you can say, hey, you know, you're right about this. And maybe that will shut them down for a second. And they'll be like, oh, they're listening to me. And then take that and say, you know, I would also respect if you hear what I have to say about this and you know what daniel i'm not sure if you listen to any of general conference but i am going to pull a little bit from elder renlin's talk did you know about it at all uh no i have not listened to general conference okay so that's what i thought so i'm going to give you a little bit about elder renlin's talk i loved it so much because it talks a lot about being able to disagree kindly and it talks a lot about a old prejudices and how to bury them. It was really beautiful and I really liked it. And Elder Renland had said that his wife, gee, I can't remember what it was that she did for a living, but she was, I think, politically engaged with a lot of high up people and they always had disagreements on anything and everything. And she would often say in this way, I can see we're not going to agree on this issue. I like you. I respect your opinion. I hope you can show me the same courtesy. To me, that kind of displays, I'm not coming out of my gunslinging. I'm not coming in as a doormat either, but I am coming in and I'm addressing the fact that we have different opinions. I'm I'm letting you know that I'm soft to this. I'm letting you know that I'm open to this and that I want to continue in a friendship. And he said that often it does lead to an increased respect and friendship. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to teach my children to respond to conflict the same way Renlund's wife does in her job, because it's just a really good balance of, hey, this is my opinion and this is your opinion. I'm not slinging my guns at you, but I'm not shutting down. Either. Yeah. So I have an interesting question for you based off of that. Do tell. Because I agree that that works in a lot of situations, but and especially politics is tough. So is religion. There are things that people feel so strongly about that they can't really be soft like that. I've seen this a lot recently with with conflicts over what some people perceive as just opinions or feelings where other people see as incontrovertible fact. Like, no, this is the correct path. This is the only path. Here, I have some data to back it up. And so in in that situation, it it is very difficult to know how to navigate that. So I'm, so I guess I'm wondering how you, Taylor, when you, when you have a point where you're like, no, like this is legitimately the only way. And I have formed an opinion about this based on research facts, et cetera. And your way is legitimately the wrong way because sometimes that does happen. <laughs> so how do you navigate that? It's interesting you bring that up because I've been looking at a meme that I thought was really funny. It showed the scale, you know, Daniel and I are both musical. It showed the scale from C to C, but it had the C labeled as D, et cetera, et cetera. And the meme said something like, yeah, you're entitled to your opinion, but C is still C, you know? (laughs) And like, how do you come at somebody and and you're like, listen, (laughs) my initial thoughts go back to our very first podcast episode with Amanda. We talk a lot about people bring in their own life experiences and their own perceptions and how I really do believe that if I could wear somebody else's metaphorical lens and see what they're seeing, I would understand exactly why they have that feeling on that issue. And I think it's even true for things that are totally false. Like, I think if somebody really was like, no, this C is a D, if I could put on their metaphorical lens of life experiences and perceptions and understand why they think that, I'd be like, oh, this is why they think that. Either, you know, A, they were taught it, or B, they, I don't know, forget the A and B, but I really do think that people, believe things for a certain reason and whether or not they're wrong doesn't make how they feel less valid and so I would just say I want to navigate understanding another person before shooting them down I think it's more important to show love to people than to show 
that they're wrong, I think it's more effective to try and listen to someone than to correct someone. Even if you really do think that they're wrong, even if they really are wrong because a C is a C, you're not going to get anywhere by convincing that maybe that school child who learned it wrong. Like, okay, for me, when I was a kid, I, I was so convinced that my left hand was my right hand. And my mom's <laughs> like, you know what, Taylor, <laughs> this is your right hand. I know I'm the mom. I've got a master's degree. This isn't my first time right and left. And it didn't matter what my mom said. I didn't believe her because I was almost sure that I remembered that my teacher told me that this was my left hand. You know what I mean? And so even though my mom was right, her coming at me and saying, no, no, you're wrong. It didn't affect me at all. You know what did help me change? She took me back to my teacher and she said, okay, Mrs. Woodward, will you please tell Taylor what her right and her <laughs> And my teacher said, oh, of course. And my teacher said, Taylor, this is your right hand. And I accepted it from my teacher because that's where my original thought base came from. And Ooh. so I think people might just need to be redirected. They can't always accept from other people what they can from another. So I think maybe our role isn't to tell somebody you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, but to help point them out to maybe why it is that they think that in the first place and to listen to why they understand that and then maybe we can take them back to their metaphorical mrs woodward and then they can help them get that sorted out but that doesn't mean that it's our job to tell them you're wrong so i don't know that's just off the top of my head i don't know if it made a lot of sense no i i love that and i think you're exactly right i think once again you have to build a bridge of understanding. I think perception defines reality, um, which is a weird philosophical concept that I'm not going to try to get into right now. But essentially, people can perceive the same thing so differently that quite literally their realities don't mesh. Right. Kind of like your left hand, right hand analogy. And so I think finding common understanding on some point is very important listening enough to be like, okay, no, we agree on this point. We agree that blue is blue. We might not agree that yellow is yellow, but we agree blue is blue. Um, we can build from there. We have a starting point. And I think this becomes important. Like you don't always have to do this work. Like you said, some people, you just aren't going to be the right messenger for them. You may need to let somebody else handle them. Maybe try to hand them off to somebody else who may be better at that metaphor but if you feel like you're the right messenger for this person i think finding that common point of understanding and then building from there is the only way to help them get to a place where they can see maybe this objective truth that we're all talking about but yeah no i really like that i think it's a very important conversation oh well thank you you just put me on the spot so There was two more things from Renlin's talk that i thought were so valuable he also said if i'm quick to take offense or respond to differences of opinion by becoming angry or judgmental, I have failed my spiritual stress test. And this failure does not point out how I'm hopeless, but that I do need to change. And that's a good thing to know. And he had talked about like a a heart test, a stress test. And then he talked about, you know, the way you react to people is like a spiritual stress test. And so you can just kind of gauge if you're doing well by how you react. And if you fail, you're not hopeless. Uh, You can keep going. He also said, oh my gosh, I love this, Daniel. He said, a lot of people are inclined to say, of course, we could all have unity if only you would agree with me. (laughs) And I don't know if you know people like that, but I know so many people that like would say that, (laughs) not even joking. Yeah, we could, we could all agree if only you would wise up and know that what I'm saying is right. But Elder Runland said, instead of approaching it like that, we need to ask ourselves how we can better foster unity and listening. So anyway, he was so great. And I do have one other story I wanted to share from the Book of Mormon. But before I do, I want to see if there was anything you wanted to add before I go into that. No, I guess really the only thing, and I think the the Horan story is going to get into this a little bit. I think underlying the root of all of this, I I am a conflict avoider. And it's something I'm trying to work on. Because conflict is important. Conflict is good, which is weird to to say, um, especially for me. 
but healthy conflict, help, healthy, almost even fighting, <laughs> if you want to use that word, is good. It helps us become better people. It helps us learn. We can't just go through a life avoiding those difficult conversations because then we stay the same. We never change. We never grow. We never make deeper connections. Deeper connections are built over being vulnerable and being vulnerable often leads to conflict. And so we have to use a lot of things Taylor's talked about today to, to be thoughtful about our interactions and our conflict when we conflict with people. Don't just roll over and let them get their way. Don't belligerently hold you hold to yours. Find that in-between space and build on little things and slowly find understanding. Can I maybe, I don't want to say amend that, but I have a, like a phrase that I think works really well with what you're trying to say. Yeah. And that is, conflict is good contention is bad i agree with that <laughs> yeah i mean the more you think about it the more i agree with it because yes conflict helps us grow and develop contention is always based in negativity conflicts don't have to be a fight conflicts can be civil they can be you know in fact this the pahoran example is a conflict but it's not contentious so that's what i'm saying you know conflict is good contention bad yeah. And so you, you know this story. Do you want to paraphrase it for our listeners that don't know very much about the story of Pahoran? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to the situation with Captain Moroni where he's like, hey, what the heck, Pahoran? Where's my troops and supplies? I'm out here on a friggin' limb about to die with all of my people. And he kind of goes off at him, which is very, very good drama. In the, in the Book of Mormon, if you're looking for a, a dramatic scene. Um, and Pahorn responds with, yeah, hi, thanks for writing. Um, <laughs> promise I haven't forgotten about you. We're kind of having some issues here at home. Help! <laughs> okay, I'm going to take it. He was going off. He was really mad. And poor Pahorn, you know, Moroni didn't know at the time, but Pahorn is trying to help govern the land that Moroni was fighting for. Moroni is the, the army captain. Pahoran is kind of the, um, gee, what would you call it? Like Governmental the, seat, the judgment seat guy. And he had been overthrown yeah. and his people were in jeopardy too. And so he was in just as bad a situation. And poor Pahoran just got nailed and like hit by his friend and called all these terrible we, things. We could say lamb, lambasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he was hurting. Or at least I would be. If I was Pahoran, I'd be like, Moroni, you're so mean. You don't even know. Like, I would be like, dude, <laughs> down. Like, you're making assumptions <laughs> about me. And instead, Pahoran, kind of my really good example of how to respond kindly. These are some of the things that Pahoran writes back. He says, behold, I see unto you, Moroni, that I do not joy in your great afflictions. Yea, it grieves my soul. And he kind of goes on to say, you know, we've had a really hard time here and help like Daniel was saying. And in the book of Alma, chapter 61, verse 9, he says, And now in your epistle ye have censored me, but it mattereth not. I am not angry, but do rejoice in the greatness of your heart. I do not seek for power just to retain my judgment seat, that I may preserve the rights and liberties of my people. And so it's amazing that Pahoran is like really leaning into this wasn't your intention, back to the intent versus impact thing. And he totally gives Moroni a free pass. He responds with so much kindness. If he had the reaction at first to be angry or defensive, he definitely took a step back. He softened his heart. He looked into the root of how he felt. And he responded with so much calmness and compassion for Moroni's situation instead of getting mad. And he even goes on to say in verse 14, Therefore, my beloved brother Moroni, let us resist evil and whatsoever evil we cannot resist with our words, yea, such as rebellions and dissensions, let us resist them with our swords for the preserving of our freedom. He even pointed out there that we can resist evil not only physically, but we, you and I, let's resist evil with our words. And so Pahoran just closes it out by saying, you know, I even had joy in receiving your epistle and I find you and consider you to be my beloved brother. And so I thought that was kind of, miraculous a really good example of how to not take it personally and get defensive but he just was so thoughtfully responsive and he just was kind so i invite everybody the next time someone might say something wrong about you or 
maybe half informed to try and step back and see where they're coming from, like Pahoran, and be kind in your responses because it really fosters love. Yeah. And if you, for example, send that response, but don't hear anything back from the person, because <laughs> that sometimes happens. That does happen. Or if yes. they're still angry with you, I, I think, especially on the ex member side, um, and I can, I, I, I'm using that as an analogy because that's the camp I'm in currently. A lot of people feel very, deal with a lot of hurt and a lot of anger at the church. And they're working through that. Um, whatever those deeper emotions are, they're, they're trying to process that. And it takes some time for people. It Some people, it takes years of, of deconstructing their emotions of going to therapy because for whatever reason, they have just been very injured or have felt very injured by their time in the in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and so uh, even when you, even if you do like take those take those steps to try to like act pahoran like, um, and you don't necessarily get a Moroni response in return, but just get more anger and vitriol, and realize that that person's just in a spot where they are not ready to talk, and that's okay too. Hopefully, one day they will be. And if you can offer them other assistance that's not related to that topic or try to be their friend in a separate way that doesn't touch on those deep, hurtful issues, do that. But some people are just in a situation where for their own emotional and mental state, they just can't interact civilly about a particular topic. And yeah, try to try to keep that perspective as well from those situations. Wow, I think that's something that I really needed to hear, honestly. So thanks. Can I ask you a follow-up question about it, though? Yeah, of course. Say that I am in a situation as an active member of the church, and I want to open this door and, you know, act this way with someone who's left, and I I approach them, and I'm like, hey, I want to have this conversation with you, and I'm wanting to be kind, or maybe I'm pahoraning after they were moroniing me, (laughs) (laughs) and they say nothing. How do you... um, go from, hey, I noticed that you don't want to talk about this to, are we good? Do you have any advice on that conversation, what that could look like? So a couple, couple things. One, you have to ask yourself how much emotional work you want to invest into a particular person. And be honest, because all of us only have a limited amount of, of self to give, mm-hmm. as it were. And because it is a finite resource, we have to be judicious with how we spend it. And so be honest with yourself before you approach these interactions of, do I have the capacity to put in the work to actually like be a good friend to this person and go the distance with them? Or is this just a random acquaintance who I'm okay not putting work into and it's okay if you're not friends? (laughs) Even though I would like to be, if they're not in a place like I'm also okay with not being there right now. Because that's an important thing to to go through, and it and it's and it's tough because it's it's kind of a brutally honest truth that we sometimes don't want to address because a lot of times we want to be friends with everyone, and like especially like I know I know I deal with that a lot. But realizing like if you start this and then abandon it halfway through, oftentimes that's going to be more hurtful to the person than never having started it in the first place. So after you get that out of the way, after you make that decision, I think then it's just about being honest and just stumbling and making those mistakes like you talked about earlier like if they haven't said anything back and you haven't heard anything like don't be pushy be like hey like i really want to hear from you just be like hey like i don't know where you're at like i just i want to be friends like we don't have to talk about anything about the church or anything else like i would just like for us to to chat is that something you're open to and just stumble your way through it honestly <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, because good. It, it's, i could do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> there you go because you're you're gonna make mistakes right and if they're the type of person who is going to take those mistakes and hang them over your head and be like, how dare you say this? Like that, once again, may not be a person you necessarily want to interact with. And that's okay. But if they're a person who is going to be a legitimate partner in this bridge building, whatever form that takes, they're going to respond to be like, oh, hey, I appreciate you reaching back out. This is where I'm at. Thank you for asking. So yeah, I, I think taking those stumbling steps of, if you want to use the word faith, is an important part. Yeah, I have this desire to be like, this is the, the phrase you can use. But you're right. You're saying you stumble <laughs> through it because everyone's different. But even in my mind, I'm like, oh, Daniel, no, I've got it. This is the phrase you can use. You should say, I recognize that this is not on the table, but what is? <laughs> but like even that, yeah. that's not 
the solution. What you're saying is, you know, just no. just go through it, and that's how you'll know if the bridge building is mutual, as to how well People, they react to how how messily you stumble almost. We're, we're touching, on a, touching on a really important point here, and I want to kind of drive it home. Authenticity in communication is so important. People can smell when you're being an authentic from a mile away, right? And so, so just being yourself, stumbling your awkward way through it is always, always, always the better choice. And once again, that's, that takes vulnerability. Being authentically you is tough. That's why we put up walls. That's why we are fake with people. We all do it. It's part of life. You interact differently with your boss at work than you do with the bishop at your ward, than you do with your sister, than you do with your spouse. Because we have different levels of being comfortable, being vulnerable, vulnerable around people. And so in these situations, if you truly want to build a bridge, you have to just act authentically. Like Taylor said, don't rely on phrases. Don't do anything like that. Just, just be you. Speak your mind and be there. That is so insightful that it, like is driving me crazy how brilliant <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, that's my that's my master's degree in communication. It should be worth something, right? <laughs> it is. That was so so man. If I'd known that, I would have let off and say, "Hey, we're listening to a master today. Everyone, pay attention." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's I don't really I don't like to tout that because then people expect me to be good at communicating. Oh, I see what you did there. Notorious. We in the communication field have the hardest time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should just authentically stumble through the fact that you're I doing do. your best. <laughs> I do. I try. I know a lot of theory, but practice is something different. I agree. It's hard to put these things into practice, but I'm so glad that we get to hear the theory because now we've got something to build off of. You know, when we do stumble through and we show how authentic we are, it helps them then react to us, which just reminded me that bridge building is a two-way process. There is one thing left on my notes that I think is worth mentioning, and that is when you are tempted to respond in a way that is unkind or condemning, try and replace that with curiosity. And I have an example of this. I don't know if you are familiar with David Osler. But he has written the book Bridges, Ministering to Those Who Question. And he is an active member on the Restoration Table Facebook page where he has started making listening circles for participants to come and share their own opinions that are usually very differing. And he has talked to me that a little bit about these listening circles and how they are exercises in being able to communicate so that might just be right up your alley. There are set rules to this process and you have to follow them strictly. The rules are like you get two minutes to speak and then you get cut off and you may respond. But you have to phrase your question to anybody. I'd be curious to know. And you always have to phrase it that way. And so yeah, I think a, that just kind it's of... It's a good mediation tactic. It is because I think when we really are about to say, yeah, but how can you justify this? Okay, <laughs> that's a condemning phrase. But if you can replace that with, I'd be curious to know, that's a kinder way to react to people. Replace the unkindness with a genuine curiosity. Like, you know, I don't really understand why they believe this. If I actually want to know, then I can respond with curiosity instead of hostility. Remember the phrase, I'd be curious to know, but don't make it your catch-all phrase. Just be authentic. You know, one thing on that, because I, I think it's very important that you keep bringing up, like, it has to be genuine curiosity, because... I even find myself, I'll type out a message and it'll be like, hey, I'm just wondering what you think about this. But like, I don't actually want to know. I'm just using the question as a backdoor to like, I guess, like make it seem like I'm being nice, but really I'm trying to get a jab in, right? Uh -huh. And so be honest with yourself when using that phrase, like, do I actually want to know or am I just using this as a, as a tactic for some other hidden intent here? <laughs> Amen. Again, I'm saying, Daniel, you are yeah. so insightful. Thank you for driving that home. See, that one is me stumbling and learning things, as uh, as Brother Salmond would say, by the two-by-four method. <laughs> I've forgotten what that means. You've got to refresh my memory. Oh, uh, he, would always, he would always reference learning things via the two-by-four method. Instead of learning it bit by bit, you get slammed over the head as if by a spiritual and or emotional two by four. Oh, um, so uh -huh. it really sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, he was such a funny man. Was, I love that guy. Man. 
well, way too authentically stumble through that. That was a great explanation. I'm going to leave it to you to conclude with any thoughts. Was there anything you didn't get the chance to say yet? Yeah, I just think in general, boundaries are extremely important. If you're not okay talking about some stuff, that's okay. Let people know. Set boundaries. And if people set boundaries with you, respect them. It's so important. Other thing is, once again, conflict's okay. Even seek out conflict sometimes. Challenge yourself. Don't let yourself be in a metaphorical thought bubble where you're only getting information or talking to people who share the same thoughts as you. Because that way you're just, it's a vicious circle of you just get the things you already think re-justified and build those foundations deeper and don't expand your base of knowledge and don't try to push yourself or confront things that are difficult for you. So really seek out different opinions. Try to find people who don't agree with you and talk to them about it and stumble through that conflict as best you can. And kind of on the other side of that, beware of toxic interaction because that is not helpful to anyone and just leads to hurt feelings. And with some people, you just aren't going to mesh and your way of being and their way of being and interacting is just not going to work well together. And be honest with yourself in those situations and take a step back and don't interact. And that's okay too. Once again, if we're all going to be mentally and emotionally well, we have to do what we know we can and be honest with ourselves and realize we can't save everyone or can't befriend everyone. And that's also just fine. And it's freeing. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. You have been insightful, helpful, and really good at asking me tough questions too. So thank you so much for your contribution today. Um, We'll have to have you back sometime. This was just a wonderful, wonderful discussion. So appreciate you. Sounds good to me, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. All right, friends, time for our tidbits and takeaways with Taylor. Also, you know, Brother Salmond was our institute choir teacher, and the name of that institute choir was Latter-day Voices, and I did not provide any of the context for that earlier because Daniel and I were caught up in reminiscing about it, and we just forgot. So I'm providing that context for you now and apologizing. There you go. Also, I need to apologize for the fact that my voice was not the best, and I did cough a few times. I couldn't hold back. I'm so sorry that I had covid And I I still do, so my voice isn't the greatest during this recording, but sorry. Okay, now for our tidbits and takeaways. The first thing I thought that was worth saying again is the importance of examining our lives, and specifically our actions online or offline. Are any of these actions off-putting to those with whom you might be trying to build a bridge? I think we all need to really examine that about ourselves, and I haven't done it very thoroughly yet, but I've been thinking about it a lot, and it's going to be an important step. Another thing I didn't get to say, but that I wanted to, was, you know, we said that you're probably never going to be able to act in a way that everybody likes you, but you can find somebody that you think is an amazing person, and you can emulate how they act. Is that person great at holding space for others? And how can you emulate that person? Is it, you know, for me, I would say Jesus. But also, I don't think anybody's ever said anything against Mother Teresa. She's pretty wonderful and worth emulating. So just find somebody that you admire and think, how can I act in that way? Next tidbit. Soft minds and soft hearts equal open minds or open hearts. Don't forget your THINK acronym. Is it truthful, helpful, inspiring? necessary, and kind. Don't give others the power to make you feel invalid. You need to validate yourself. That goes back to the what other people think about me is none of my business quote. Okay, I think this is one of the best tips. Practice makes perfect, so just keep trying, guys. It's okay if we stumble and mess up. That's kind of what life is for. Another thing to drive home is displace your pride and that secondary anger with humility and the primary underlying emotion. I thought that was just so brilliant. Wasn't Daniel great? He was really quite the brilliant guy. Don't forget that Pahoran is awesome at reacting in a way that diffuses the conflict. Also, you know who else is awesome at doing that? Ted Lasso. (laughs) I was watching Ted Lasso last night and he got ripped on by 
someone that should have been a friend to him. And Ted just was very pahorn about it, very kind, and listened to what the other person had to say, didn't get defensive. So, you know, Ted Lasso is like unto pahorn in that sense. Just going to leave that right there. Respect the boundaries of other people. If they don't want to build a bridge with you right now, just respect that. For me, that was hard to hear, but I think it's very an important thing to learn. Okay, this might be the most important thing that we said today. Always be genuine and authentic, even if it means stumbling through and making mistakes. Thank you for listening. Building Bridges is brought to you by me, Taylor Niebergall, and the hardworking volunteers who co-host with me. The music was written and recorded by Bethany Sorensen. If you liked what you've heard, consider submitting a review or sharing it with others. To submit ideas, you can contact me at buildingbridges.taylor at gmail.com or check out our Facebook page, Building Bridges Podcast.